Chapter 27 of Tracked by a Tattoo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tracked by a Tattoo by Fergus Hume. Chapter 27 Mrs. Prism's Story Continued. Fanks restrained his joy at this important discovery. He was afraid lest Mrs. Prism should cease to speak should she think that the revelation was of consequence to him. That she should have had the same symbol as that possessed by Hersham, as that attempted on Sir Gregory, appeared to hint at its owning a certain significance. What that significance might be, he now set himself to discover. "'Why did Sir Francis choose a cross to tattoo on your arm, Mrs. Prism?' he asked, as the old lady pulled down her sleeve. I cannot say, Mr. Fanks. I fancy it was because he could draw a cross better than anything else. You see, it is a St. Catherine's cross, with four arms and a wheel. At least, that is what Sir Francis called it." "'It is St. Catherine's cross,' said Fanks, recalling the mark on Hersham's arm. Perhaps Sir Francis attached some meaning to it. Do you know if he tattooed anyone else with the same symbol?" At this remark, Mrs. Prism suddenly desisted from her occupation, and not only refused to speak, but taxed Fanks with trying to fathom her meaning for some ill purpose. "'Why should you come down here and ask questions about Sir Francis Fellinger?' she asked with a troubled look. "'Why do you wish to know all these things?' There was no help for it. If Fanks wished to learn the truth, he would have to tell her the real purpose of his visit and then, out of love for the memory of Sir Francis, she might do what she could to aid him to discover the person who had murdered Sir Gregory. Resolving to risk all on the casting of this die, he spoke out boldly and to the point. Yet he approached the old lady with a certain amount of caution. "'I have an important reason for asking you these questions,' he said in an earnest tone. "'I shall tell you my reason shortly. But first, Say if you regretted the death of Sir Gregory." I regretted it because he was the son of his father, but I did not care over much for him. He was a bad man, Mr. Fanks, a very bad man. I loved the father as an old playmate, and as one who was always kind to me and mine. But the son—ah!" Mrs. Prism shook her head and sighed. "'You know that he was murdered?' "'Yes, but they never found out who murdered him.' No they are trying to find out now. You may be able to help me to do so." "'Help you?' said the old lady in a frightened tone. "'Who are you, sir?' "'My name is Fanks, as you know, Mrs. Prism. But what you do not know is that I am a detective, anxious to learn who killed Sir Gregory.' "'I know nothing of the murder, sir. I am a simple old body, and cannot help you in any way.' "'Oh, yes, you can, Mrs. Prism. You can help me by relating all you know about this tattooing. But what can the death of Sir Gregory have to do with an old story of man's treachery and woman's folly? More than you think. The whole secret of the death lies in the explanation of that tattooing. Come, Mrs. Prism, you must tell me all you know." Mrs. Prism thought for a moment, and then made up her mind. I'll do what I can," said she. Those who are concerned in this tale are dead and gone, and so 
long as it does not hurt the living, I see no reason why I should not gratify your curiosity. But I must ask you not to repeat what I tell you, unless you are absolutely obliged to do so. It is no good spreading family scandals, but, as you have appealed to me to help you to revenge the murder of my old playfellow's son, I will confide in you." Fanks assured Mrs. Prism that he would be as reticent as possible about her forthcoming history, and would not use it unless compelled to do so. Satisfied on this point, Mrs. Prism commenced. At the same moment, Fanks took out his notebook to set down any important point. The other person who was tattooed, said Mrs. Prism, was Madeline Gary. Fanks whistled softly and made a note in his book. Only a thought which struck me, he explained. Madeline Gary, was she also tattooed with a cross? Yes, sir. Madeline and Jane Gary were the daughters of old Captain Gary, a retired naval officer who lived in Damington. I knew them both very well, as we used to meet on terms of equality in parish work. Jane was the quiet one, but Madeline was a flighty girl, fond of admiration and dress. She attracted the attention of Sir Francis, and it was thought at one time that he would marry her. However, he did not do so, but brought home the lady from Shropshire to Mere Hall. Still, Madeline must have been fond of him, for she let him tattoo on her arm a cross similar to this one of mine. I saw it one day when she was changing her dress and remarked it. She said Sir Francis had pricked it on her arm as a sign that she was engaged to him, and that it was like a wedding ring. I wander against Sir Francis, and mentioned the Lady of Shropshire, to whom he was said to be paying his addresses. She laughed at this, and said Sir Francis would marry her. If he doesn't, she added, I shall know how to avenge myself." "'Did she know that you had a cross on your arm also?' "'Oh, yes, I told her. But I never expected to marry Sir Francis, and he did me no harm. I can't say the same of Madeline. He acted badly towards her. I don't say that Sir Francis was a good man,' added Mrs. Prism, in a hesitating manner. "'But he was good to me. He certainly should have married Madeline Gary.' Did he go about tattooing all the girls he was in love with? He was not in love with me, rejoined Mrs. Prism with dignity, and I only let him tattoo me because I was a schoolgirl and his old playfellow. I knew no better then, but Madeline was a grown woman when he loved her, and marked her with the cross. I suppose it was to bind her to him, not that it did much good, for shortly afterwards he married Miss Darmer and in a rage at his desertion, Madeline took up with an old admirer, Luke Fielding was his name, and she married him almost on the same day that Sir Francis led his bride to the hall. Did she ever forgive him? She said she did, replied Miss Prism, with hesitation, but I have my doubts of that. At all events, she was stopping at the hall within the year of her marriage. How was that? Well, you see, sir, in nine months after the marriage Mr. Fielding died, leaving Madeline with no money and a little child. About the same time Lady Fellinger died at the birth of the dead Sir Gregory. Somebody was wanted as a nurse, and Madeline asked Sir Francis if she could come. She was poor, you see, and wanted money, although after the death of her husband she was living with her father. 
At first Sir Francis would not let her come, feeling ashamed-like, no doubt, but in some way she prevailed against him, and went to the hall as the nurse to the heir. And what about her own child? She took him also, by permission of Sir Francis. Oh, was the child of Madeline a son? Yes, her son and that of Sir Francis were born almost on the same day. She insisted that her son should come to the hall also, so Sir Francis agreed in the end. And Madeline Gary nursed the heir, that is, the late Sir Gregory? She did, assented Mrs. Prism. Till Sir Francis was killed, as I told you, five weeks after the death of his wife. His body was brought home and buried, but almost immediately after the funeral Madeline disappeared with her child. She was never heard of again and I have no doubt that by this time she is dead." "'How long ago is it since she disappeared?' asked Fanks. Twenty-eight years, sir. Where she and the child went I do not know, for she had no money. Poor soul! I was sorry for her.' "'And her sister and Captain Gary?' "'Captain Gary died soon after. Madeline was his favorite child. He never held up his head after she disappeared. When the captain died, Miss Jane went to some relatives in Scotland. And the heir? Sir Gregory? Oh, Dr. Binjoy got another nurse for him. Fanks glanced up in astonishment. Dr. Binjoy, he repeated. Was he here? Of course he was, sir, replied Mrs. Prism with a slight shade of surprise. He was at the births of both Madeline's child and Sir Gregory. Afterwards, when the father of Sir Lewis died, he asked Dr. Binjoy to look after his son, who was sickly. The doctor agreed, and he has been with Sir Lewis ever since. Yet now they are about to part. It seems strange, doesn't it, sir?" said Mrs. Prism. But ever since Dr. Binjoy has been here with Sir Lewis they have got on badly. I think it was the chemistry which kept them together, for the characters are quite unlike one another." "'You like Sir Lewis?' "'Yes, but I don't like Dr. Binjoy. No, not though I have known him for so many years. He was a lover of Madeline Gary also, but she would have nothing to do with him. I am glad he is leaving Sir Lewis." "'Was Binjoy friendly with Sir Gregory?' "'I can't say, sir.' I do not think they had much love for him, because he was the heir and kept Sir Lewis out of the property. Oh, and no doubt Binjoy wanted Sir Lewis to have the property, so that he could get a share of the money. I think so, sir. They said that Dr. Binjoy was always very gay, and used to go to London to lead a fast life. Who said that? Did you ever go to Taxton-on-Thames? No, Mrs. Jerusalem told me. You know, she was the housekeeper of the late Mr. Garth, and after his death she went to keep house for Sir Lewis on Taxton-on-Thames. When Sir Lewis came in for the property he brought her here. Is she a native of this village? Oh, yes. She was a school friend of mine, though I never liked her overmuch. I believe she was in love with the late Mr. Garth. At all events she is devoted to his son. I wonder she left him to keep house for Sir Lewis. But as poor young Mr. Garth had no money, I suppose she had to do the best she could for herself." In Fank's opinion, 
The love of Mrs. Jerusalem for the late Mr. Garth explained why she was so anxious to benefit the son. But it did not indicate why she should hate Sir Lewis. Mrs. Prism's next words enlightened him on this point. "'It is more strange,' pursued Mrs. Prism, "'because Mr. Michael, the father of Sir Lewis, treated Mrs. Jerusalem very badly. Yes, almost as badly as Sir Francis did Madeline Gary.' I wonder Sir Francis was not afraid that Madeline Gary would avenge herself for his treatment," said Fanks, now satisfied as to the cause of Mrs. Jerusalem's hatred for Sir Lewis. "'I think she was afraid,' replied Mrs. Prism, rising and rolling up her work. "'I can't explain what he said to me in any other way.' "'What was that?' said Fanks eagerly. I was at the hall one day, shortly after the death of Lady Fellinger," said the landlady, and I saw him in his study. He was grieving greatly for the death of his wife, but he also told me how pleased he was at the birth of an heir. While he was talking, Madeline entered and spoke about something. Then she nodded to me, and I went away. As the door closed after her, Sir Francis looked anxious. "'Nancy,' he said, turning to me. He always called me Nancy," said Mrs. Prism in parentheses. "'Nancy,' he said, all in a flutter-like, "'if it should chance as I die, and anything goes wrong about my son, remember that cross I tattooed on your arm. And if you want any further proof, look in this desk.' Just then we were interrupted, and he did not say any more. I never saw him again," added Mrs. Prism with emotion for he was brought home dead that day week. "'Can you understand what he meant?' "'No, sir,' said Mrs. Prism, rising. "'I can only say from the look he gave the door that he was afraid of Madeline. What he meant by the cross on the desk I know no more than you do. But she was wrong in thinking that Madeline would harm his child, for that was what he thought, I'm sure, for she went away a week after his death with her own, and Sir Gregory grew into a fine young gentleman, though wild, very wild." After which speech Mrs. Prism, exclaiming that it was close on ten o'clock, left the room. And Fanks sat meditating over the strange history he had heard far into the night. Already he saw a connecting link between the story of Madeline Gary and the tragedy of Tooley's Alley. End of chapter 27